Welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values with Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News and Uncover DC. Brought to you by conservativesof.com. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values. My name is Daniel Bobinski. I'll be your host for the next half an hour as we examine some of the issues facing Americans today. And we always do that in light of a Judeo-Christian uh, conservative perspective. And as I was uh, preparing for this show today, I was uh, looking at this section in Deuteronomy where it says not to have two differing weights in your bag. Don't have one heavy and one light. Uh, The uh, New Living translation of that says you must use accurate scales when you weigh out merchandise. And I think those verses really apply uh, to all aspects of life, including our elections. It is really kind of crazy how what's been happening uh, since uh, November 3rd of last year. And of course, uh, these are topics that are sometimes verboten on some of the social media platforms. But... I think when we're looking at um, how we count ballots, we can't have two different methods of doing it. Uh, I, I believe it was Joseph Stalin. I, I'm not sure about this, but I think it was Joseph Stalin who said it doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the vote. And uh, that would not be hard to change an election. And when you're talking about who's counting votes, but also we're taking a look at who is voting. I know in the precinct uh, where I live, uh, the person who has been winning on the, uh, the, how the state Senate side has been winning by a very small percentage, sometimes less than a dozen votes. And you think about that, it only takes, you know, another dozen people to participate in some shenanigans to swing that vote the other way. And so we really need integrity in all aspects of American society especially when it comes to getting involved uh, with our society as believers. You know, it was John Jay, our uh, first Supreme Court justice in the United States, who said that providence has given to our people the choice of their ruler, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. And I think that that applies to every aspect, every elected office, and including the places where people have to volunteer. When we have believers getting involved, people who are focused, making a change is uh, more difficult when you know, making an, an, an illicit change, an illegal change is more difficult when you know that you have the holy God, the creator of the universe, watching every move and actually examining your motives. So I think we can all agree that there's been some shenanigans going on in this country. We have some stuff going on in Arizona where they're doing a recount, and I know they're going through it for a third time. They're being extra careful so that nobody can accuse anything. And this is starting to spread to other states as well. Georgia, Michigan, other Pennsylvania. And I happen to be acquainted with somebody who uh, kind of made a splash in the political realm a couple of years back. Uh, maybe you've remembered uh, her name, and maybe you remember what happened. But first, let me just say to the show, welcome, Anna Timmer. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Anna, <laughs> so, so Anna, you um, kind of made a splash into the uh, American political scene kind of inadvertently. You are a mom, right, who has an interest in politics. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. 
Um, so you live in Michigan, and uh, how I learned about you, and I remember watching this video a couple years ago, uh, there was a town hall meeting with a representative, a congressional representative named Justin Amash. And he was having a town hall in his big auditorium, and you stood up and you read him the riot act. And I remember watching that going, oh, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it was awesome. And then the next thing I know, I see I'm watching you on Fox News being interviewed. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what happened before that and what happened since that. Sure. Well, it was absolutely a whirlwind. But, you know, many, many years ago, Back in 2010, I had helped Justin Amash uh, just in a very small way as a volunteer on his primary campaign as he really positioned himself as, as the constitutional conservative in the race. And uh, what we learned years later was that he was actually a libertarian who um, used the mantle of the Republican Party in order to win the election. And uh, he just got further and further away from his voters and what their issues were over the years, you know, remaining with them on some issues as libertarians do, but just getting farther and farther apart from them on other issues. And when Trump came on the scene, it really, really got pretty bad. And so I, I decided to go to a town hall of about 800 people and, and give him a piece of my mind. And uh, when, when he called for the impeachment of Donald Trump, it was pretty transparent that he did it in order to fundraise and get national name recognition for something larger, something beyond, you know, being a congressional candidate. And it ended up getting picked up all over the country, which was totally unexpected, you know, for me. And um, yeah, the, the rest is history. And, and he did end up attempting to run for president, but that lasted about 13 days. <laughs> so you've become known as the girl from the Justin Amash town hall. <laughs> yes, for better or for worse. And you'll probably be uh, wearing that, that label the rest of your life. But um, in all actuality, as you said, you're a mom who has an interest in what's going on in the politics because, you know, John Jay also said that, that, that good people need to be involved in governing our country. Correct. Correct. So you ended up, how you and I met was you ended up writing for Tracy Beans, doing some stuff with her at Uncover DC. And yeah. I did the same. And that's how you and I kind of connected. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's an honor to get to know you and, and uh, to know people who are taking a stand and, and uh, not afraid to stand up and get their voices heard. But you and I have been talking the past couple of weeks about what's been happening with this election stuff. And you shared with me some insightful things you've been digging into, because I think you, like me, like to dig into the truth and what's really going on. And you sent me some stuff about this, this Michigan audit. Could you kind of tell us what's happening there? Sure. Well, it is kind of a mess here in Michigan, and there is quite a few things going on on different fronts. So a lot of people want to know, is Michigan going to have a forensic audit in the same way that we have the Arizona audit, in the same way they are beginning to push for one in Pennsylvania through subpoena, and in the same way, you know, we're getting to some information about Fulton County ballots because of a judge uh, who unsealed ballots. So that's what people want to know about Michigan. And we have had a forensic audit bill introduced by one uh, state rep, 
and it had some issues. It's being revised. And the reality is, is he doesn't head up any committees and he's a freshman rep. And so he's trying to do the right thing and introduce this bill. And we have a handful of other supporters in the state legislature. But the leadership in our state legislature, which is supposedly Republican run, is not willing to support it. So we're pushing as hard as we can. However, we're going to need massive public pressure potentially from results coming out in other states for our legislature to be willing to do anything at all. So that's kind of what's going on with the audit. But then we have this separate issue that's a lot more pressing, and that is with the uh, the company known as Election Source, which is a subcontractor for Dominion Voting Systems. And we have uh, a, a team of lawyers, including a, a woman named Stephanie Lambert and attorney Matthew DiPerno, who have alleged that they have evidence that there were anonymous logons to um, voting machines uh, back in November, and they allege that those anonymous logons were actually the subcontractor election source. Hmm. So that's their that's their allegation. And separately from that, this subcontractor election source just in the last few days has sent out a letter to local clerks all over Michigan letting them know that they intend in the the next couple of days and over the coming weeks to do something called preventative maintenance on the machines, including taking the battery out. And the letter says that the clerks need not be present while this is being done. Yeah. Nothing going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's a big effort that same uh, attorney, Matthew DiPerno issued quite a lengthy uh, nine-page cease and desist letter. And there's a lot of, um, you know, conservative activists on the ground who are, you know, contacting their clerks saying, do not allow this access because these, you know, documents of this nature are are required by law to be preserved for 22 months following an election. Mm -hmm. And so the concern is that by tampering with these machines, that that's, you know, actually a violation of the law. So people on the ground are pushing back on this as hard as possible. And um, it's a little murky, you know, as far as what can be done legally, you know, at this time. But, you know, we're all pursuing every avenue that we can to protect these records while we continue to push for a forensic audit and investigation in our state. It, it does seem kind of odd that suddenly you know, there's an interest in having this audit in Michigan and then right. the, the elections source company, that, which is a subcontractor for Dominion, which has been at the center of all this election fraud fiasco, suddenly they're going to come and do maintenance on these machines. Correct. Just a little suspect on the timing of all yeah. this. I don't know all of what you're telling me, but, but you did send me this, this, uh, this letter, that they, this email they sent out. And it is amazing that they're saying, hey, there's no reason for the clerk to be here. We'll just, we just need access to the equipment. Right. <laughs> of course they're, and of course they're describing it in a very benign way uh-huh. but the question mark is what exactly do they mean by preventative maintenance and they're trying to claim that it's not going to you know alter anything but how could the public possibly have assurances of that especially when our clerks are told they don't need to be in the room mm-hmm. so where is the oversight and that's really everyone's concern is is what where is the oversight to verify that this subcontractor, you know, 
isn't lying to us. Well, in, in, in my opinion, they shouldn't be laying their hands on the equipment at all. Right. I mean, right. there's you can electrons can't be seen. You can adjust electrons, and who's going to know? Right. Uh, in fact, I, I believe it was even in Michigan where I was watching a couple of years ago a gentleman being questioned by a city council, and this gentleman was a programmer, and he said that he had the ability to write a code in voting machines that could swap votes to make sure candidate A won over candidate B, and yep. then. After the election timing was over, the code would eat itself so that if somebody went back in to look at the code, there would be no code. Wow. So this is a, a sworn testimony uh, before an investigation from a certain city council back, I, I believe it was in Michigan. It uh, could have been another Midwestern state. But the point being is that electrons are electrons and, and nobody can physically see them with their naked eye. Right. So you have, you have all this, this possibility of shenanigans going on. I personally think we should be doing away with electronic voting for years. I agree. We right. had paper ballots in this country. And I think, was it you that was talking with me about uh, the definition of paper ballots? I don't think so. Okay. Because someone was saying that they go to these electronic voting machines and they punch the screen and lo and behold, out, out pops your, uh, your selections and you have a piece of paper that says what you voted for. And that is qualified as a paper ballot. And that is not what people think of when they hear the term right. paper ballot. And I don't believe that we have that here. I believe our entire election in Michigan is backed up by a real ballot. But I know that's an issue in other states where they never have a physical ballot. They just have a re like a receipt. So have you been watching what's been happening uh, in Arizona? Yes, to, to the extent that, I, that I'm able. Uh, I know that they have a hearing going on a couple hours from now, I don't think that's going to be a release of results. I believe it is a hearing for the, the Senate to ask the people who conducted the audit, you know, where they're at right now mm -hmm. and how much more time they need and do they need anything else. Pennsylvania is looking at doing one. Georgia is looking at doing one. This is a total off-the-cuff question here. Do you think that what happens, I guess I should put it this way, what happens if uh, we find that all of these uh, recounts, the election isn't what we were told, what's going to happen to our country? Your hypothesis. I think that our, our country already broke in half um, in November. And that's, that's how I feel. And so I feel at this point, there's no good path in any direction. But the best path is to seek the truth and then attempt to rebuild. Hmm. And seeking the truth from yours and my perspective, because I know you're a believer, right. is to seek the Lord because he is Correct. truth. Correct. And, and uh, that's, that's one of the very first things that God revealed to me when I came to know him was that he is truth. It's not that he chooses to be truthful. It's that it is his very nature. It is his character. It's who he is. He is truth. And uh, this is why I think that uh, verse that I read at the top of the show, you know, don't have two sets of weight. God hates deception because it's, that it's totally antithetical to his character. We are talking with Anna Timmer, who is a Michigan resident, and she's uh, well known for her uh, splash into American politics when she stood up and uh, made her voice heard at the Justin Amash Town Hall that made the news way back when. Anna, you are also doing some research about 
how changes were made in election laws prior to COVID coming on to play. You were telling me a little bit about that, but not everything. Please fill us in. Sure. Well, it's it's quite a large uh, research project that I've embarked on that I'm not finished with. But I began on this path when I had my light bulb moment here in Michigan, because our Secretary of State Benson mailed out 7.7 million unsolicited ballot applications throughout the state of Michigan. The majority of households received um, ballot applications for people who they had purchased their house from years ago. Almost everyone I know received you know, more ballots than were voters living in their home. So it created a completely unprecedented uh, ability for the average person to commit a little bit of, you know, voter fraud, you know, by sending in the ballot of maybe someone they live with that um, doesn't usually vote, but now I can just easily send in their their ballot for them. Or, or in addition to that, you know, you could actually, I, I received two ballots from the people that we bought our house from that moved to Boston five years ago. Mm. I could have voted on their behalf. And wow. I don't think it would have been caught had I done that. Wow. So it was a, it was a major issue. And I, and I started looking into it and I realized the only way she was able to legally do that was because we passed Prop 3 in 2018 as a citizen initiative. And a citizen initiative is, is a provision that some states, but not all states have, that allow anyone at all to introduce a piece of legislation as long as you get enough signatures, you can get it on the ballot, and then it gets voted on. So it doesn't involve the legislature, and it doesn't involve the governor. You can pass something into law. Actually, you can amend the Constitution without the legislature or the governor. And people like the Open Society, you know, that, that gets a lot of funding from people like George Soros. I'm not saying he's the only one here, but different funds, 1630 fund, a lot of left-wing funds fully funded this citizen initiative to the tune of, I believe, six or seven million dollars. So they paid the petition circulators to get this on the ballot. And then they promoted it as a very benign, you know, thing for the people to allow no excuse mail-in voting and automatic voter registration. It created the perfect prerequisite uh, law that allowed what Secretary of State Benson did to take place legally. She wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. Obviously, 2018 was prior to COVID, and it all fit perfectly together in the way that it that it happened. So my hypothesis was they've been planning this since 2017 to do a mass mail-in election, and my hypothesis is that they did this type of thing all over the country. So I began looking state by state, and I just over and over and over again found my hypothesis to be proven correct. So in Nevada, they did almost an identical thing as in Michigan. They had question five on the 2018 ballot. It was funded and promoted by some of the exact same left-wing billionaires that funded Prop 3 here in Michigan, and they were able to pass it. And then in other states, they took different avenues. Not every state has the ability for a citizen or an independent group to put a piece of legislation on the ballot. In many states, only the legislature can refer something as a ballot measure. So in certain states, like Georgia has that environment where only the legislature can put something on the ballot. Well, obviously, the Republicans 
you know, they control the legislature in Georgia. So the avenue that they took was to do the consent decree, which I think a lot of people have heard of the Georgia consent decree. And that was when the Stacey Abrams Democratic Party in Georgia sued Secretary of State Raffensperger. And rather than fight the lawsuit, he decided to settle. This was all done very quietly. It was done kind of in secret. He didn't even notify the Republican Party. And he relaxed a lot of the um, signature matching requirements and a lot of the um, different requirements on mail-in voting. And he did it just through a lawsuit settlement. Oh, wow. We had something very similar occur in Minnesota. And a lot of people look at this as, well, this was in response to COVID. But if you actually look at the, the original filing date, in many cases, these lawsuits were filed before COVID even came on the scene. So we have a very similar consent decree that took place in Minnesota because they did not control the legislature by one vote. By one vote in the Senate, the Republicans controlled that half of the House. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have full control of Minnesota, even though Minnesota has quite a few Democrats. Mm -hmm. And they had the Democratic Party sued, I believe it was the Democratic Party, it was either the Democratic Party or a Democrat-run group, sued the Democrat Secretary of State, and they filed it originally in January of 2020. Hmm. So before COVID was really a thing, a couple of months before. Mm -hmm. And there was um, a cap on the maximum number of people you could help fill out a ballot. So the, the law prior was you could help up to three people fill out their ballot. So this would be like if your mother, you know, if her hand shook because of a medical condition and she can't fill out a ballot, you as a son could help her fill it out. So they have that provision that you can do that for up to three people. So they sued to remove this cap. They didn't try to pass it through as legislation. They didn't try to go through any of the normal channels that you would change a law with. They just sued the Secretary of State. And they ended up winning and settling this lawsuit. To, they didn't get everything they wanted, but they were able to remove that cap so that you could help an unlimited number of people oh, wow. fill out a ballot. Just so, think about the implications with that with, that, with, with ballot harvesting. Y- yeah, no kidding. Uh, and and for those who don't know, I mean, the, the U.S. Constitution is clear that it is a state's legislature that determines voting laws. Yes. So this is what happened in Pennsylvania was the, the, the governor wanted to do something similar, change the voting yeah. laws. He went to the state legislature, legislature, Republican in Pennsylvania said, no, we're not going to. So then the governor went to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania and they said, sure. And, and which was totally unconstitutional. And that was part of the argument that people were saying, wait a minute, this was an unconstitutional election in Pennsylvania because you changed voting laws without the consent of the legislature, which is clear, very clear in the U.S. Constitution. Correct. This, is, this has just been a crazy time. We don't have too much time left. What do you think should be happening with this now? What, I mean, we were trying to bring light to this, but right. what's, what do you, what's happening with this? So my personal opinion is that We have many legislatures all over the country that are Republican-run. The majority of state legislatures are are Republican-run, correct? Mm -hmm. So a lot of them are, they're taking a hammering from the media, calling them racist for wanting to do election reform. 
And in addition to that, they also have pressure from the consultants, you know, that they've hired telling them, oh, that, you know, election reform is too controversial. The election stuff is too controversial. So I believe that if we had enough of the public showing them, hey, here's what took place all over the country. This was like a hit on election law. This was like an operation run on our whole nation to cripple election law. Look at these sneaky things that they were doing, how they were using lawsuits and how they were using the ballot measure to go around the legislature. Show them, show, you know, show your own legislature in your own state what they did all over the country to make them realize that, hey, this is actually an attack on the way laws are done in this country and the way election law is supposed to be done in this country. And I'm going to, you know, I want it to galvanize them and inspire them to ignore the, you know, the racist uh, angle that the media is trying to portray about about election reform. And uh, I I just think that every citizen needs to look into this and look into what was really done so that they can just really hammer their legislature. Mm hmm. You know, we just have just a few seconds left here. I want to kind of take a look at what John Jay said. He says, the wise and the good never form the majority of any large society. And he's talking about the need just to get involved because you do make an influence just by getting involved. We have to wrap up. We're out of time. Uh, Anna Timmer from Michigan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Voice of Conservative Values. Uh, it's been a joy to have Anna on. Maybe we can do it again sometime. We're on the air every week at this time. Uh, if you want to hear any of our past shows, you can go to 941thevoice.com and uh, check the archives for The Voice of Conservative Values. This is Daniel Bobinski. Thanks again for being our guest, Anna. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to The Voice of Conservative Values. If you'd like to support this broadcast and Conservatives Of in the Treasure Valley, you can do so at conservativesof.com. Freedom can only be maintained by a prayerful, informed, vigilant, and engaged citizenry.